Intelligence. Energizing your email marketing with Kate Barrett. Brought to you by eFocus Marketing. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence. Today is our monthly Intelligence Masterclass where we dig down into a specific area of email marketing to help you increase your results. And this month, it's my absolute pleasure to welcome Matt Vanelt from 250OK. So, you ready for the long introduction here? Matt's email experience spans more than 17 years, during which he has faithfully advocated for the channel through refining email marketing and privacy best practices influencing anti-spam legislation and compliance and managing ISP expectations. In addition to his role as Director of Privacy and Industry Relations at 250OK, he is a certified international privacy professional in Canada, founder of the Canadian Email Summit, editor-in-chief of emailkarma.net and serves as part of a select group advising parliament regarding Canada's anti-spam law. He's also currently the vice chair of the EEC after serving several years as the chair of the advocacy subcommittee. And most importantly, he's just been named 2019 Email Experience Council Email Marketer Thought Leader of the Year. So Matt, welcome and thank you so much for taking the time to join me on this month's Intelligence Masterclass. Thank you very much for inviting me. Looking forward to it. Fantastic. So I wanted to invite you on the show today to pick your brains on a subject that is near and dear to my heart. And I know it's near and dear to yours because you do it day in, day out. And that is, of course, deliverability. Yeah, for sure. Deliverability. It's a its a never ending topic for a lot of people. It's fantastic. I could talk about it all day. Me too. So let's get into it. We're not going to talk about it all day, only for about half an hour. But before we jump into that in more detail, can you tell us a little bit more about 250OK and your role there? Sure. So 250OK, we are an email intelligence platform. Uh, We provide additional uh, services and analytics on top of your normal email service provider. So uh, this could include things like inbox placement monitoring, Analytics, DMARC services. Uh, we offer um, like a signal network, which is basically monitoring spam traps in regards to understanding how your marketing program is behaving. Uh, and then we offer a number of consulting services on top of that to our, our partners and clients to help them understand potential holes or potential pitfalls within their program, um, or if they're having specific issues with a, with an email uh, domain, such as Gmail or Hotmail seems to be the two hot ones right now. Um, and then, you know, we, we offer, you know, really solid guidance and advice around fixing those problems. Uh, my role specifically, I focus in the privacy side uh, of things, so I spend a lot of time talking about GDPR, most recently CCPA, uh, the TCCPA, or the Texas <laughs> one. So there's there's too many acronyms to get them all. So all the legals around the world. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I, you know, I spend a lot of time. Um, being an evangelist for the company and being an evangelist for privacy and marketing uh, in, in general as well. 
fantastic. I mean, making sure that those emails get delivered and then through to the inbox is an absolute critical part of email marketing and a key area that I know you focus on with your consulting at 250OK, the same as we do at at eFocus Marketing. And it's so important to make sure that you are getting those emails delivered and through to the inbox. And there is a key distinction there, isn't there? Absolutely. So uh, I always like to start presentations and, and sort of discussions with the idea of, you know, your delivery rate versus your delivered rate. Um, and delivery rate is something that you typically will get reported on via your email platform. And that's going to be something along the lines of the number of messages you attempted to deliver minus the number of messages that failed to deliver. And that is your delivered rate. So basically what was accepted by the mail servers. Um, And then moving into what is your deliverability rate really looks at things like how many messages made it to the inbox, where did they end up, did they go to spam, did they simply never deliver. So it's a a similar term with a a key differentiator that is fairly significant and and you know there's certainly different logic points and, and arguments to say you know how do you best monitor that absolutely I, I totally agree and i think that that delivery rate that you can see in your ESP is almost a little bit misleading because a lot of marketers will see that 97%, 98% delivery rate. You know, you've got through that first barrier, but that doesn't tell you how many of your emails are actually ending up in front of your subscribers in the inbox. And if you're not in the inbox, the chances of them actually seeing that message are obviously vastly reduced. So really important to understand the difference and to understand the factors that go into getting through each of those stages because you know getting your emails actually into the inbox really can be a complex beast with lots of elements so you've got to know that distinction you've got to really understand what those differences are and the numbers that you're looking at and that's why I really love that the 250 OK and, and similar platforms because it gives you that visibility that you wouldn't have otherwise and I think that is so important to actually understand the fundamentals of what's happening so when you see different signals within your email program you know if you see um, your open rates decreasing at certain mailbox providers that you've got this tool there that you can actually pinpoint why that's happening where the problems are occurring absolutely and i think that's something you know we spend a lot of time focusing on as well like it's not just right message right time it it's it's that that's a key thing, but it's also permissioning and messaging and list hygiene and cadence and all of those other things put together that um, really tell that holistic story that marketers need to understand. And that can be hard across platforms if you're using multiple platforms, maybe one for transactional and one for your commercial and one for your internal and one for you know web notifications and things like that. So um, sort of sitting in the center of that um, really allows our platform to give you that holistic view of where everything is coming from and where it's going and then how is it behaving at each of those points as well. Yeah, without having to log into each one individually and giving you that deeper level as well. So it's got that dual purpose, that dual benefit. So when it comes to looking at all of those statistics, when it comes to your delivery rate versus your delivered rate and and getting into the inbox, what are some of those of the biggest changes you've seen recently at each of those levels of filtering? So I think the 
some of the biggest changes we've seen over the last, call it 18 to 24 months, really has been the move towards domain-based reputation. Um, so it's no longer just IP-based. I'm sending from one platform. And maybe, you know, we've, we've seen it where I send my lower quality mail from one platform and my higher quality mail from another platform. Um, Moving to a domain-based reputation sort of removes a lot of that um, ability to segment and separate um, those channels or those those you know mail quality levels, if you will, um, and makes it more realistic of what your program in general is doing. Um, you know, speaking about mergers uh, on the email platform side from both the ESP sending side. We've seen a, a number of acquisitions and a number of mergers over the last two years. Um, we've seen, uh, you know, the IBM Watson separation from IBM, the, the Watson Marketing Cloud, and going back into its sort of own silo. We've seen the mergers of Verizon, Yahoo, and AOL into one marketing platform or one email platform, sorry. We've seen the mergers of the Hotmail platform or Outlook.com platform into the Office 365 platform. And that's really changed how marketers um, are, ability, are able to uh, deliver mail to those networks. Because, you know, you may have been borderline before um, with a reputation that allowed you to go to the inbox at, say, Yahoo and, uh, again, at AOL. But when you merge those two reputations together maybe you're now a little on the gray side and you're not able to deliver as well. So it actually has required a lot of marketers to change their behaviors um, because of those mergers and because of those platform uh, amalgamations. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, that sender reputation, so the amalgamation of the IP reputation and now really that really strong introduction of the domain reputation, it does come down to the fundamentals of what you should be doing to run a really good email program. So, you know, fundamentally, sender reputation is made up of, you know, those elements you spoke about earlier, your list hygiene, how you process complaints, inactive user levels, number of spam traps you hit, having that consistent sending volume and sending enough that those mailbox providers can understand who you are and what you're sending. It's so important to really take account of the fact that to get good deliverability, you have to be a good sender. You can't be, you know, sitting on the fence saying, oh, well, we're doing most things right. You know, if you're seeing deliverability problems, it's because there is something fundamental that is not quite right in your program, something that you need to fix. And actually, by doing that, you're going to have a better email program overall. And it's and it's no longer program specific. It's now holistic mm -hmm. because domain reputation has come in. So, yeah. you know, if your transactional team is doing something that is potentially impacting reputation versus your marketing team versus your sales team versus, you know, an, an IT team that's maybe doing something, um, not having a holistic view of your program as a company wide uh, email channel um, really can impact the other groups, which you may not have insight into. And that that's something that I think marketers are now starting to wrap their head around to say, you know, what are these other groups doing? And is it impacting my deliverability? Or is what I'm doing impacting their deliverability? 
So your your reputation across the web generally, your one-to-one messages, your bulk marketing messages, and I hate using that word bulk, but you, you know what I mean in terms sure. of the, yeah. <laughs> the, the larger volumes rather than the, the, the one-to-one, it, it all comes into play now and it's all so important. And again, if we're running a business, if we want to improve what we're doing, if we want to grow, then we have to be looking at our business holistically anyway. So it's just coming more in line with where we should be as a business and pushing us towards that better practice. Right. And it's it's one of those things. Um, I recently had a conversation um, with, an, with another consultant and it's like, you know, if, if we fail as an industry managing uh, best practices and managing uh, our behavior someone else will step in. And we've seen that over time and time again with different legislations coming in and, and regulating how, you know, we as an industry have maybe been overzealous and not self-regulated properly. We've seen it with the growth of um, ISPs filtering mail because, again, we're not self-regulating properly. Um, you know, there are lots of people that view email as I push a button and I make money. Um which, which is absolutely true. The challenge is, as we've abused that, if you will, as an industry, um, and not everybody, but a significant enough, uh, and I'm sure you see this with your practice as well, push, push button, make money. Um, you know, we, we've seen others step in to basically regulate that behavior and force good practices on us beyond our own you know, industry groups and, and, you know, thought leaders trying to push those behaviors on, on clients and marketers. Yeah. Our success is definitely our downfall. It's such a fantastic channel that it's been, it's been used and abused. Absolutely. And we really have to understand what the consumers want. And if we can drill down into that, and if we go down the route that, you know, you and I talk about all the time, being customer centric, understanding what they want, and then delivering on that, we will come in line with what the mailbox providers are now pushing us towards. Like you said, what the legals are pushing us towards. So if we think about um, certainly the Canadian legislation was one of the first ones to do it. GDPR following in now. The whole premise of those pieces of legislation is about data quality. It's about that subscriber, that user, that consumer understanding what they're going to receive from you, when they're going to receive it, saying, yes, I actually want to receive this. So everything, again, holistically is coming back in together. So, you know, I'm, I'm totally in agreement with this. And I think it's a really great way that our industry is moving. And marketers need to make sure that they're keeping an eye on that and that they're moving more and more towards that as we go forward, because all of this is just going to tighten up even more than we've already seen over the last year or two. Yeah, you know, GDPR is maybe the first step or the biggest step we've seen globally, um, but we are seeing other jurisdictions follow suit. You know, Brazil passed basically GDPR, um, but in Brazil, uh, CCPA is a representation of part of GDPR. Um, you know, there are currently like 50 different breach notification legislations in the U.S. alone, right? So all of these types of things are coming, um, and it's right now this significant patchwork that we need to understand. Like G- What I like about GDPR is it basically tried to take you know, a, a very large geographical footprint and say, we now have a standard. 
right? It's no longer we have 30 different laws within the EU alone. It's we now have one guiding legislation for this entire geographical region, right? That's that's sort of how we ended up with can spam even you know looking back in time in 2003 california started to pass anti-spam legislation other states started to pass individual anti-spam legislations and the federal government said whoa whoa, whoa we can't do this because it just won't work for us uh we're going to come in and pass a federal anti-spam legislation that trumps and overrules all the individual state level ones um you know, we may see that with privacy legislation in the U.S. It may or may not happen in the next 12 to 18 months, you know. Um, but I think it's it's realistic to say it's coming at some point. Intelligence, Energizing your email marketing with Kate Barrett. For more specialist advice to help you create email marketing that gets results, visit e-focusmarketing.com. Okay, so let's get away from the legals because we could talk about that sure. all day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's bring it back down to that sender reputation. And one of the foundational factors of that, and you alluded to this earlier on as well, is how your sending infrastructure is put together and authenticated. So run us through what those main elements are around authentication. What's new? You mentioned uh, BIMI and DMARC. So what's new? What do we need to do? And how do we make sure that those receiving um, service providers, the mailbox providers know who we are. And we've got that foundation to build a fantastic program on. Sure. Um, so authentication comes in a, in a number of different packages now. Um, they all work very nicely together, which is, I suppose, the, the best part of it is um, implementing one or all of the above is, is certainly an option for uh Brands. So I think, um, you know, if you're working with a, an agency or an email platform, um, more so uh, having at a, at a minimum TLS enabled for secure transport um, of messages through an encrypted channel. So Google is very big on, on TLS support from a, a network to network uh, point of view uh, to the point where they actually even re- report on it. Yeah, and on the on on Gmail, you get the the little padlock that shows right. whether or not you have TLS enabled. So um, if you're looking at your emails and you're not sure, then go into Gmail, have a look and see if you've got the little padlock and what color it is, and that will tell you if you've got TLS. Red, bad, green, good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so that's something. If if you are seeing the red lock, talk to your providers, talk to your internal IT team, and, and understand what it would require to implement TLS. And I think that's sort of a basic. From there, uh, SPF, which is the oldest of the, the technologies, so sender policy framework, um, it, it basically allows you to say, these are the mail servers I send mail from, or these are the different networks I send mail from. Um, looking into it, and I've done a lot of research over this over the years, you think it's relatively easy, but it's actually much harder for some organizations than than you think. Um, typically, when they start to add, you know, I use, I use Zendesk as one of my providers, I use HubSpot to do some CRM, I used, you know, my email platform to do something else, and then they just start adding in records to their SPF record, and soon enough, they're in violation of the standard because you have more than 10 lookups. So, subdomaining where it makes sense, especially when it comes to supporting SPF and different email channels, Channels, um, it's a it's a great thing. Use a subdomain for your email platform. Use a subdomain for your help desk. Those types of things. Uh, it allow you to keep your policies uh, much tighter. Uh, and, and especially much, now we've got that domain reputation as well. It just starts to help separate it out a little bit. Absolutely. 
Yeah. And in terms of the domains and, and putting those records on them, are you putting them on your from domain, your replied domain? Where do these records go? So these, uh, from an SPF point of view, you'll put these on your, your sender domain. So depending on, um, you know, you have your friendly from and you have your mail from domain. So they are actually different. Um, so this allows, you know, for example, some email vendors um, to manage an SPF record on your behalf. So they can create an SPF record, which allows you to then send mail that looks like it's from your corporate or root domain, because that's the friendly from. But the return path address uh, would be the ESPs, which is where you're going to see sort of that authentication happening at an SPF level. Um, it's important to know how that's set up, because that'll come into play later with something like DMARC, which I'll get to in just a moment. <laughs> um, so beyond that, uh, DKIM, uh, or Domain Keys Identified Mail, um, is more of an encryption technology that looks at, um, is the message the same from when it was sent? So when the key was encoded and sort of stamped into the header, uh, as it is when it arrives at the destination mail server. So it's not necessarily looking at, is this any, like, is this a legitimate message? It's literally, is this message the same as when it was sent? So it, it allows people to sort of stop modification of the message um, or try to replay that message further on uh, with different payloads or, or malware attached to it. So um, moving from there, sort of a newer technology, it's a few years old now, uh, is, is DMARC. Um, and what DMARC allows is for a brand to set a policy. So um, a brand can say, I am really sure my SPF records are good. I'm really sure my DKIM records are properly functioning. So I can implement a DMARC record. And, and it's, it's actually not dependent on any. You could implement a DMARC record with no authentication. Um, however, it's, it's not going to be nearly as, as uh, useful. Um, and typically, you can set your policies to either be do nothing, so just send me a daily report. And I think that's one of the key things with DMARC that's really important is you get this daily report back um, of data that says, you know, your domain sent from this IP address, sent this much mail, this much have authenticated properly, this much of it didn't authenticate properly. And it allows you to see if you have holes in your authentication, either from an SPF or a DKIM point of view. Uh, it also allows you to see if you have other vendors sending mail that maybe you didn't know about. So that's really where it comes in um, as a powerful tool. And, and even from a privacy point of view, a compliance tool to say, oh, I didn't know I was using this other vendor over here. Um, mm. So I don't know if the mail meets the standards of Castle or GDPR or can spam or, you know, insert local privacy legislation or marketing legislation um, for, for your region. Um, so it allows you to give that holistic view. And I, I've seen, you know, in many cases where a, a brand says, oh, I, I'm only using, you know, two or three different vendors to send email. And then we find five, six, seven, eight more, um, you know, that are, that are sending mail on their domain's behalf. Um, in an extreme case, I was talking with a consultant and he said, you know, the client said we saw three and they saw 18 um, oh, after implementing yeah. DMARC. So fairly <laughs> yeah. significant. And it gives you that holistic view of, of what's actually using your brand and your domain, even from the point of view of phishing and spoofing. So, so it's a good way to, to identify if you're having those problems. So what's the difference between phishing and spoofing? Or are they basically the same thing, just for anyone who's, who's not sure? They're basically the same thing, but occasionally they'll have sort of different 
objectives from from the individuals that are that are sending so phishing might be looking for credentials um, trying to get you to go to fake sites uh, spoofing could be anything you know maybe even more nefarious in regards to trying to damage brand reputation um, corporate um, you know corporate access or corporate espionage even to the point of you know understanding um, you know big one maybe now is the business email compromise so, uh, you know, you get the fake CEO email that says, hey, I need you to go buy some gift cards. I want to do something special for the company today. Uh, keep this on the download. It's a secret. Let me know the gift card codes once you've purchased them. I think we've actually had one, that. Yeah, I think there was one where an email was sent to somebody. I, I vaguely remember a story, but an email was sent to somebody that asked them to buy like $10,000 worth of art or something like that. And the sure. person went and did it. And it was, yeah, not the real person behind it. So you've got to be so careful nowadays. And especially linking back to what you said earlier about that holistic view, your domain reputation. If you've got somebody phishing or spoofing on your domain, it's going to impact your sense going forward. Especially if you have poor authentication. Right, yeah. if you have really good authentication, um, it's a significant, significantly lower impact because you know ISPs will look at it and say, "Well, we know this isn't legit," so that that's not really going to impact your reputation as much. Um, however, from a consumer point of view, if your consumers are being mm. fished and they think it's you, it it does have a significant impact to your brand reputation with consumers. Yeah, so, fantastic. Um, I think the newest <laughs> one to talk about really is Bimmy. Um, so Bimmy is. Uh, brand identified message indicators or brand indicated messaging identifiers, something. <laughs> I get yeah, the acronym slightly right. <laughs> mixed up because there's two eyes. And um, so basically what, what BIMI allows for someone who is using DMARC at a enforcement policy. So it has to be either at a quarantine policy or a reject policy. Um, it will enable you to publish yet another DNS record. So all of these are DNS records uh, with your brand logo. Uh, so you're hosting your brand logo somewhere um, and it will allow you to host your brand logo. And then in the actual mail client um, right now, mostly at uh, the Yahoo mail or, or Verizon mail, which is, which is still hosted at, at yahoo.com. Um, We'll show your brand logo uh, at the top of the message, uh, and in the mobile client, we'll actually show your brand logo in the inbox uh, next to the messages that are being delivered. So, so it's all about uh, trust. It's about that reputation in the inbox as in what the consumer sees and that they trust that it's you. So it all helps to build that. Right. So it allows you to, you know, basically have an enforcement policy and then have that additional layer of trust. And, and there's there's a few things other that need to happen. You need to have a good reputation with the with the mailbox provider. Um, so quality mail. You have to have some good engagement stats and things like that um, to to benefit from this. But where we've seen clients that have implemented these solutions, uh, we do see a, an upward movement of opens and clicks and and positive engagement um, for those brands. Fantastic. So we know that. 
you know, IP and domain reputation linking together will get you through that that first step. Will get you you that delivery rate and get you through that first barrier. Certainly what I've seen over the last couple of years is to get that inbox placement. It's mostly once you've got past that, mostly down to engagement. So increasing your positive engagement, so your opens, not your clicks, because the mailbox providers don't track clicks. So opens. They do, your- they do track clicks to a degree where oh, they can. Okay. So they're, they are able to see who's reading, how long they're reading for, um, you know, if they are actually clicking on things. Yeah, um, so but where they, they going, where those links are going to conversions, all of that, they can't do anything with that. So, I mean, that that's a that's a big element, and certainly when you're looking at deliverability, it's those those deeper metrics. So, you know, pulling it out of the spam folder, you know, that's a really positive, right? Um, or filing it into a folder, replying to it, forwarding it on. All of those metrics are the ones that you really need to be focusing on for deliverability. And then, of course, minimizing the negative. So, minimizing those spam complaints. Is probably the number one on the negative side. Minimizing spam complaints, minimizing bounces, uh, minimizing just users that delete your mail without reading it. So that's a big thing. So, um, you know, one of the pieces of advice that that are frequently given around, you know, why am I going more and more into the spam folder or why are my engagement metrics dropping really started to look at is, well, are you segmenting based on, you know, the last time someone engaged with your brand? And that could be anything from, you know, the last time they opened, the last time they purchased, the last time they clicked on something. Um, There's no single answer for that because engagement is metrics uh, measured slightly different by everybody, but you kind of look and say, where are you segmenting? And if it's, if it's really bad, you know, sometimes we'll recommend three months, six months, don't mail anyone that hasn't engaged in those periods. If it's less bad, maybe it's 12 months. Um, and if you're not having any issues, maybe there is no upper limit for that because you have enough engagement from your consumers that you're not seeing those impacts. Those are getting less and less frequent, um, especially when you're looking at potentially, you know, 60, 70% of your list hasn't engaged in 12 months, right? Are you wasting money sending to them? Maybe. Intelligence, energizing your email marketing with Kate Barrett, brought to you by eFocus Marketing. Join in the discussion on social media. Search hashtag intelligence. Again, you need that holistic view from around the business as to what they're doing in other areas, on other channels, how they're interacting with you. So you've given some really great tips there. If people are seeing those warning signs, you know, when when you do your consulting from 250OK or when we do it at, at eFocus Marketing, that's certainly something that we suggest is starting with looking at that engagement level pulling it back, building that positive reputation again at an engagement level, and then moving forward. But have you got any other tips? So if people are starting to see those warning signs, those problems, so decreasing open and click rates at certain mailbox providers, they're seeing an increase in complaint rates, they're you know, starting to hit spam traps. What are your key tips to rectifying some of those key issues and where do they start looking? So I like to look at it from data source. So if you have multiple data sources, maybe you're a a retailer, so you have website, you have mobile, you have your point of sale, um, you know, maybe you have squeeze pages or partner promotions, things like that. If you can segment your data sources by where that 
address or where groups of addresses came from and then start to look at behavioral metrics for those sources. Um, so maybe you have a social program where you're collecting email addresses through social and you look at it and say, well, this, this segment really underperforms on engagement and purchase behavior and really over-indexes on complaints. Well, maybe you need to look at that program to say, you know, they're the standout program that could be uh, impacting our reputation. Uh, or it could be, you know, I have a call center and call center tends to have lots of typos and those typos are causing lots of delivery issues because mm -hmm. I now have a pool of unengaged users. Maybe you need to treat that segment differently and use something like a confirmation. So confirmed opt-in or some type of validation for email program to validate that the addresses are being entered correctly by your point of sale team. Um, you know, starting way back delivery issues, resolving them where data comes from, um, is something that a lot of us will do when it comes to delivery consulting. And, and there's so many different ways to do it from time segmentation. So was it, you know, month by month? Is it source by source, channel by channel? There's, there's so many different um, options and there's no single one answer. But I think, you know, getting authentication in line, being able to manage your data sources and, and, and that's something that should be part of any company's GDPR compliance program. You should know where, when, how, what type of permission you have for every consumer. So it should allow you to segment on a bunch of different ways to determine, you know, where are my low performing segments compared to my high performing segments? What am I doing differently? And then how do I move away from low performing and move more into higher performing? Brilliant. So break it down, make sure the authentication's in place, know where those problems are coming from within your data, make sure that you're sending to your most engaged audience to rebuild your reputation, then start bringing the rest of that audience back in, but make sure that that is really quality data. So you've given us some fantastic tips today, Matt. Thank you so much for going through all of that with us. So what would you leave us with as your final kind of deliverability nugget? And we will get you back on the show again, because this is such a, a massive, massive topic. But what's your kind of final takeaway for us? Um, I think I think there's there's maybe two. So one is treat your consumers like you want to be treated. Um, you know, I have a, a presentation that's coming up shortly that I'm that I'm working on with uh, another consultant, and she talks about it in regards to the you know CMO of a large grocery retailer refuses to use their own company's loyalty program because she knows how they use the data to market to consumers. So mm, not you good. Know, if, it's it's the idea of treat your consumers the way you want to be treated, and if you refuse to participate in your own program because you think there's privacy concerns, there's probably a problem that needs to be addressed. I think that's such a great tip. It's you've got to step back sometimes, haven't you? And see your program, see your business from the point of view of your of your customers, of your prospects. You know, so many businesses don't do that. And we're so caught up in the day to day of everything that we're doing. I love that as a tip. Just take a step back and treat people the way that you would want to be, would want to be treated and beyond that as well. Sure, right? Like, would you want your grandma to be treated this way, right? I, and that even looks back, you know, the, the example that's been used time and time again is, is how Target, you know, basically was able to determine that uh, a lady was pregnant before her family knew. Um, you know, and, and that is, is certainly something that, 
you know, from a privacy point of view, to me is borderline creepy. Um, and, and, and don't be creepy. Like that's from my privacy hat. Don't be creepy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but th- the last thing I think from a deliverability point of view is, is really understand your channel where the data comes from, what you're doing with it in between, and then how you're sending it out and where you're sending it from. So, um, you know, all the things we've talked about today from from segmenting and, and tracking where data comes from right on through to authentication and understanding all the different output channels and, and how they behave. Um, you know, for, for anyone in, in operating in Europe, they should have this mapped out it should be on the wall, right? They should say, there's our GDPR compliance. We know all of this. But for everyone else around the world who hasn't quite gone that far, do that. Um, understand your channel from end to end. There's a lot of players within big marketing teams, um, a lot of verticals that don't always talk to each other. Um, so, so understand that, push that. Um, and, and I will say I've, I've read several sort of articles and, and thought pieces around um, you know, companies where the, the CISO has said, well, we're implementing DMARC, so marketing, you better get on board. And then marketing does get on board and they figure out, oh, wow, this was actually good. We've seen an improvement. Like we've seen improvement time and time again for clients that have done the work to properly authenticate and properly manage their channels. And it's pretty much upside all the time. So the, the, that would be the advice. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's brilliant advice. Thank you so much, Matt. So for anyone who is interested in 250OK and the fantastic insights that your platform can give them into their delivery rate, their delivered rate and breaking down the authentication, all of those different elements, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, so certainly head over to 250OK.com. Um, that's going to have all of our publicly facing info. Um, our our team is is you know working very hard all the time, um, doing lots of great demos. We have some videos. We have a ton of fantastic resources that are available for free on our website to help you with authentication uh, and and understanding your your metrics. Um, and yeah, if you really want to learn and, and figure out some things, start by reading our blogs, start by reading our white papers, uh, and then reach out to the team through our, our contact form and, and we're here to help. That, that's really our mantra is we are here to help everyone else get better and, and do it in a way that that's not full of marketing speak and, and questionable content sometimes <laughs> <laughs> no you've got a whole wealth of fantastic resources i know i dig into them regularly um and you know the platform really does help to surface all of those interesting bits of information that you wouldn't have otherwise so matt thank you so much for joining me today it's been an absolute pleasure and i'll catch up with you again soon great looking forward to it thanks for having me intelligence Energizing your email marketing with Kate Barrett. Head to our website for downloads and show notes. e-focusmarketing.com/intelligence. slash